Part One, Section Nine of the Dark Flower. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Vivian Liu. The Dark Flower by John Goldsworthy. Section Nine. Next day he was happy. For all the afternoon he lay out in the shade of that same wood at her feet, gazing up through large boughs. It was so wonderful, with nobody but nature near, nature so alive and busy and so big. Coming down from the hut the day before, he had seen a pig that looked exactly like the figure of a woman with a garment over her head, the biggest statue in the world. From further down, it had become the figure of a bearded man with his arm bent over his eyes. Had she seen it? Had she noticed how all the mountains in moonlight or very early morning took the shape of beasts? What he wanted most in life was to be able to make images of beasts and creatures of all sorts that were like that had that gave out the spirit of nature. So that by just looking at them, one could have all those jolly feelings one had when one was watching trees and beasts and rocks and even some sorts of men, but not English grandees. So he was quite determined to study art. Oh yes, of course, he would want to leave Oxford then. No, oh no, only some day he would have to. She answered, "Some never get away." And he said quickly, "Of course, I shall never want to leave Oxford while you are there." He heard her draw her breath in sharply. "Oh yes, you will. Now help me up." And she led the way back to the hotel. He stayed out on the terrace when she had gone in, restless and unhappy. The moment he was away from her, a voice close by said, "Well, friend Lennon." Brown study or blue devils, which there in one of those high wicker chairs that insulate their occupants from the world. He saw his tutor leaning back, head a little to one side, and tips of fingers pressed together. He looked like an idol sitting there inert, and yet yesterday he had gone up that mountain. Cheer up! You will break your neck yet. When I was your age, I remember feeling it deeply that I was not allowed to risk the lives of others. Lennon stammered out, "I didn't think of that, but I thought where Mrs. Stomer could go, I would." Ah,、uh, for all our admiration, we can now quite admit. Can we, when it comes to the point? The boy's loyalty broke into flame. It's not that. I think Mrs. Stormer as good as any man. Only, only not quite so good as you, ah?、Uh? A hundred times better, sir. Stormer smiled. Ironic beast, Lennon. He said, distrust hyperbole. Of course, I know I'm no good at climbing. The boy broke out again. But. But I thought where she was allowed to risk her life, I ought to be good. I like that. It was said so entirely without irony for once that the boy was disconcerted. You are young, brother Lennon. His tutor went on. Now, at what age do you consider men develop discretion? Because there is just one thing always worth remembering: women have none of that. 
better part of valor. I think women are the best things in the world. The boy blurted out. May you long have that opinion. His tutor had risen, and was ironically serving his knees. A bit stiff, he said. Let me know when you change your views. I never shall, sir. Ah, ah, never is a long word, Lennon. I am going to have some tea. And gingerly he walked away, quizzing, as it were, with a smile, his own stiffness. Lennon remained where he was, with burning cheeks. His tutor's words again had seemed directed against her. How could a man say such things about women? If they were true, he did not want to know. If they were not true, it was wicked to say them. It must be awful never to have generous feelings, always to have to be satirical, dreadful to be like the English grandees. Only different, of course, because after all, old Stormer was much more interesting and intelligent, ever so much more. Only just a superior. Some never get away. Had she meant from that superiority? Just down below were family of peasants, scything and gathering in the grass. One could imagine her doing that and looking beautiful with a coloured handkerchief over her head. One could imagine her doing anything simple. One could not imagine Old Stormer doing anything but what he did do. And suddenly the boy felt miserable, oppressed by these dim glimmerings of lives misplaced, and he resolved that he would not be like Stormer when he was old. No, he would rather be a regular beast than be like that. When he went to his room to change for dinner. He saw in a glass of water a large clove carnation. Who had put it there? Who could have put it there? But she. It had the same scent as the mountain pinks she had dropped over him, but deeper, richer, a scent moving, dark and sweet. He put his lips to it before he pinned it into his coat. There was dancing again that night. More couples this time, and a violin beside the piano. And she had on a black frock. He had never seen her in black. Her face and neck were powdered over their sunburn. The first sight of that powder gave him a faint shock. He had not somehow thought that ladies ever put on powder, but if she did, then it must be right. And his eyes never left her. He saw the young German violinist hovering round her, even dancing with her twice. Watched her dancing with others, but all without jealousy, without troubling, all in a sort of dream. What was it? Had he been bewitched into that queer state, bewitched by the gift of that flower in his coat? What was it? When he danced with her, that kept him happy in her silence and his own. There was no expectation in him of anything that she would say or do. No expectation, no desire. Even when he. Wandered out with her onto the terrace, even when they went down the bank and sat on a bench above the fields where the peasants had been sitting. He had still no feeling but that quiet, dreaming adoration. The night was black and dreaming too, for the moon was still well down behind the mountains. The little band was playing the next waltz, but he sat, not moving. 
not thinking, as if all power of action and thought had been stolen out of him. And the scent of the flower in his coat rose, for there was no wind. Suddenly his heart stopped beating. She had leaned against him. He felt her shoulder press his arm. Her hair touched his cheek. He closed his eyes then and turned his face to her. He felt her lips press his mouth with a sweet burning kiss. He sighed, stretched out his arms. There was nothing there but air. The rustle of her dress against the grass was all. The flower, it too, was gone. End of section nine. Recording by Vivian Liu.